Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day that you have made for us to rejoice and be glad. Thank you that there is a place to worship in Miami that loves Jesus, full of the Holy Ghost, and growing in truth and in grace according to your word, that you might be glorified through us, that we might serve in the capacity of your pleasure every day of our lives, that uh, this being the day that you have made, we rejoice and are glad in it, Lord, but we want the word of God to be sown as a good seed in our hearts, that it would give forth, fall on fertile ground and give forth good fruit, and that that fruit might glorify your name, that we might be encouraged, emboldened to live out our lives according to your word without apology, without excuse, that you might multiply and increase our lives to be fruitful, to fill the earth, to subdue it, and take dominion, Lord. Give us confidence in you, Lord, to see that your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, that we not sin against you, that we not err, that we seek your face, that we seek your kingdom first and foremost and see everything is being added. Thank you for what you're doing in this season in our lives. Thank you for salvation and deliverance. Thank you for healing and strength. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. Bless your word that it return not void. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Um, as we are, if, if you weren't here on Wednesday, possibly the most important foundational word for any Christian was that, that we're coming to worship a greatly generous God, Amen. the source of every good and perfect gift. It says there in John uh, 1.17 that, that he's way ready to give you, uh, James, I'm sorry, James 1.17, um, he's ready to give you things that have the expression of every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. And so these expressions that we know that come down from the Father of lights and there's no variation or shadow of turning, there's no lies in him, there's nothing shifty and shady about God. He is true to his promise and he's prepared those good gifts and perfect gifts to come down from above upon you. You are the recipient of God's goodness. And, and there's nothing more horrific in this side of eternity than a man or woman, a family that misses God. You cannot miss God. Uh, we constantly say it in this place. Ecclesiastes 6.3 says, if a man were to live many years and if he were to be, have a hundred children, that's a lot of children, and live many years so that the days of his years are many. Verse 6 says a hundred, uh, no, a thousand years twice. Even if he lives a thousand years twice, but has not seen the goodness of the Lord. Verse 3 says, it's better that he was never born. I say that a stillborn child is better than the man who had many children, who lived a thousand years twice, two thousand years, but missed God. You weren't born to miss God. You, you should say that every morning. Today, I'm not going to miss God. Amen. I'm not going to miss what he has for me so that I could rejoice and be glad. Sad it is that the devil distracts people to be removed from the goodness and the gifting of the Lord. Like a, I hold up the proverbial carrot that donkeys follow after and they never eat. Don't allow the devil to stick a carrot in front of your nose that you're never going to enjoy but rather seek the Lord because he's a great and generous God and you don't want to miss him um, Acts 17 25 Paul introduces him to the Greek culture that were worshiping many things and he says you missed out worshiping the God unknown the God that you do not know he uh 
He's not worshipped because man's hands have made him uh, as though he needs anything. Our God doesn't need anything from man because he is the source. The source, the source, the source. He gives to all. You could, you could circle that word all and, and, and right next to it, right, includes me. And God did not leave you out of all the things he gives life, breath, and all things to all peoples. So that, that was the premise of his introducing God to the Athenians. You, wanna, you want to wonder, if you go back to verse 22, he says, I walked through the city... Uh, he stood in the midst of these people and he says, I perceive that you are religious. I perceive that in all things you are very religious. This is in Athens, Greece. Verse 23, for as I walked through the city, as I was passing through considering the objects of your worship, there's many things that they were worshiping there and there's many things that are worshiped in Miami, even found an altar to the inscription of the unknown God. And it's to him, the one whom you worship without knowing, I want to talk to you about. This is Paul saying, I want to introduce you to this God. And he's the God that gives life, breath, and all things to all peoples. He's a God who's the source of every good and perfect gift. He's trying to introduce them. These guys were missing it out. You want to wonder why they were worshiping gods that had eyes could not see, ears could not hear, hands could not touch, feet that could not walk. They were worshiping all these gods and missing out the God who gives. The God who gives. And because this is the God we worship, we went to Acts 104. I'm not Acts, I'm sorry, Psalm 104. From verse 1 to 26, it talks about all of creation here upon the earth, that they get all their provisions from the God of heaven. And then here it is, it culminates in verse 27. He says, all these, these all wait for you. These all wait for you. Except, and then you can start putting names in there. Except... The one who doesn't wait for him. And if you don't wait for God, there's that you miss God. And you miss God because you didn't know how to wait. And you miss God because in your worship, you didn't know that every good and perfect gift was coming from him. Now, uh, I can really say, and I can point this out, that 99.9999999 of the human race hates to wait. If you ever rode with me in a car, you know that I'm not one to wait. This morning even, as we got a red light, I said, no, not a red light. And I got out of my lane and I went a block over, did a U-turn, came back, and I would not wait. Right? And that's, if you're in my car, you're going to see that often. I can't stand to wait. Wait is a hindrance in my pursuit to getting where I'm going. And so when we pick airplanes to go to other nations to preach the cause, I don't like the, the, the what's it called, stayovers, layovers, and wait four hours, six hours, ten hours, jump on another. I said, no. And some people said, but it's cheap, Pastor. We land in Alaska for two hours. Then we go... He's like, no, we don't want to do no layovers. We're going to go and be about the... So these all wait for you. What for? That you might give them their provision in due season. That's the whole purpose for waiting. That you might give them their provision in its time. Um... Verse 28 says, what you give them, when you give them, what you give them, they gather in and you open your hand and they are filled with good. Why, why do we wait? Because we know the God that we serve is a good God. And when we don't wait, boy, what a headache that is. As we begin to formulate all manner of exercise and, and, and horrendous expressions of our craziness. Here it goes, verse 29. What happens while we're waiting? When God hides his face, they are troubled. 
When God is, is not giving them their download, you take away their breath and they die and return to their dust. But verse 30 says, when you send forth your spirit, something happens that brings about what God created and renew the face of the earth. God is, if, if you learn how to wait upon the Lord, and again, this is, this is, a, this is a journey that has been fixed by God. Because I always said, God, you could do it right now. But he chose to wait. And, and so during that waiting game, um, the craziness happens. The craziness happens. The, the craziest things of, of young girls who don't wait to have sex until they're married. What, what a craziness thing about bringing a baby into this world without a family, without a father, without finances, without the blessing of the Lord. Um, it causes so much controversy. But, but, but the, the waiting on the Lord has its perfect work and, and our worship, God, it has pleased God to add that four-letter word wait in the pursuit of our purpose here upon the earth I, I'll tell you the story. The story was that when we came to the Lord and I saw the Lord restore my parents' marriage, I wanted to start Savior Marriage the next day. And yet it didn't start for another 30 years. And I wanted to start already. I would tell the pastors of my church, listen, I want to go preach the gospel. They said, no, you, you have to finish school. Nine years? Yeah, nine years. And then when I got out and I had my lawyer degree then I would take it to them and say look I finished my law degree it took me nine years to finish a long time um, they said you're still not ready go work for 10 years so from the time the law I wanted to go fast and the lawyer says no you're going to go to law school first finish that up then you're going to work for 10 years 19 years before the Lord called us to ministry and what happened during those first nine years of law school was preparation, was walking with God, was learning, was being gifted, was being matured so the fruit would be ripe, so that it would be mature, so that it would be sweet. Waiting on God has its purpose, and, and, and it's a good purpose, and when people don't do it right, they get bitter. The fruit is not ripe, um, it rots, it gets bitter, it never has the fruition for the purpose for which God sent it. So here it is, 19 years later is when the Lord brought us to ministry, and I was like, Lord, that was a long time waiting, waiting. But, but God was good in that season. God was able to to work out something according to his pleasure and maybe not mine. I don't know if I would look back and see what would have happened. I could have got mad at my pastors and say, you guys didn't see that I'm a man of God, so I'm leaving. I'm going to join YWAM or I'm going to join some other missionary company and, and take off early. <clears throat> and the fruit would have been premature. It wouldn't have allowed God to do his perfect work in my life. Um, they were grueling years, expecting and hoping and waiting upon God. But it was, it was creating what today now people eat from. Are you willing to wait 19 years for, for God to give you the green light to take a step forward in that which you're waiting for? And so that's when people leave our church <clears throat> because they don't want to wait. But this is what it says, and I hope you receive this word this morning. Romans 15, 4. For these things that were written in earlier times, whatever things were written down prophetically in the Bible before were written for our learning. Say learning. learning. If you're seeing people walk with God, <clears throat> you're walking away with learning how you're to walk. <clears throat> what things were written down 
before were written down for our learning that we, say we, 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 we through patience and encouragement, that word comfort means encouragement, through patience and encouragement of the scriptures might fill our lives with hope. The whole purpose of waiting is not to blow a gasket and say, ah, and you, you're having conniptions, all because you have to wait. And so if you don't learn how to wait patiently in the Lord, you'll never see his glory visit you. And the devil wants you to give up your hope and say God is a liar, and you know he's not. You know that what he promises, he will fulfill. So in this, this is the, the waiting, the ingredients of this concept of worshiping God is your capacity to be patient and encouraged, huge on hope. If you get what you're waiting for fast, you don't have time to develop hope and there doesn't take any faith. And what is most precious to God is your faith. And, and my kids, this is an example. My kids were on my basketball team as I started teaching them at age 10, 11, and 12. Uh, we were at the Little League. I was ecstatic, and we had a perfect season. We didn't win one game. We lost all our games. And with every loss, they would say, Dad! And... Why don't we win? I said, well, because for God, your character is more important than your win. And so after five seasons of that, they would tell me, we don't care about character. We want to win. <laughs> and that's how some people talk about we don't want to wait because it develops faith and hope. We want what we're asking for. Thank you. But what was precious to God is how confident you are on the front side of waiting because that faith is what God is looking for and it's precious in his sight. And it's supposed to have a good work in us the things written are for our learning that we, through patience and encouragement, the word comfort, through patience and encouragement, that's what you need while you wait, you might have hope. And so hope is the gas that causes you to travel in the course. Verse 5, now may God who gives patience, now may the God of patience, endurance, and encouragement grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. That, that you all are on the waiting side of something that God has promised. And that that being patient and encouraged in that stead, um, you inherit the promises of God. Because if, if you miss out waiting and being encouraged and filling your life with hope, you're... You're bound to be reckless in your pursuit of what God has for you. Verse 6, so that with one accord, you may with one voice, all of you that are waiting, being filled with faith, confidence, assurance, patience, courage, with one mouth glorify the God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ. How does this happen? Because in the culminating of the period that you wait and wait, and wait, and wait, and wait, and wait, and wait. It has the end result of a resounding, how great is our God? Yes. How faithful is our God? Amen. But not without waiting. And so that's where um, this, this whole concept is, is really pestered uh, and, and disturbed uh, I write in this book that we wrote before, What is a Man? It's called Restoring the Gates, that there's a terrible expression of those who don't wait and go off to try and artificially 
support the promise with a substitute, with an imitation. And we always say that the devil brings an imitation before God brings his reality. So there's all manner of things that happen in this waiting period. Um, You've seen it with the people that are waiting for the elevator door to close. How many times they push the button? It's like you only need to push it once, but you don't want to wait. So your little finger goes off. With those people that change lines in a grocery store. Have you seen that happen? Whatever line they pick, that's the line that takes the longest. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter what line they choose. It happens when we're put on hold on Comcast. We think that hanging up and calling them back is going to make it faster. When we're waiting for a, a healing to take place in our illness when we're waiting to have children and they don't come, when we have financial difficulties and it doesn't seem we're on the bright side of the harvest, waiting becomes excruciating. Everyone is waiting somehow or another for the vast expression of God's glory. Romans 8, 19 says all of God's creation waits with the expectation of the revealing of the sons of God. So here, here is God's instruction for you as he sends you in the direction of what he has for you, there's a period of waiting. And we're like, isn't there another shortcut? Sometimes the delay is not God holding back, but it's man's impatient realizing other priorities. We want to have a marriage. We don't want to wait. We want to have a family. We don't want to wait. You guys know the story in Genesis 16 with Abraham and his lovely wife, Sarah, she was a godly woman. But even she was getting flustered in having the son of promise and inviting her husband to hurry up the process to have a child with the Hagar, the helper of the home. So we're, we're all frantically expressing these crazy expressions because we haven't come to terms with saying, you know something? Today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. Amen. If today God is pulling back what's covering your eyes from seeing, that God is more into the process of the journey of waiting to glorify his name greater than the substance that you desire. He's looking at your capacity to trust him. And so when you have, and this is, this is one of the very first things my mom told me as a revelation on the front end of Christianity. Now, we were saved only a couple of years, and I was like, oh, why is this taking so long? Why is this taking so long? Why is this taking so long? And I'm always like that. And she says, listen, I'm going to tell you something and jot it down as a principle to your walk in the faith that a true Follower of Christ are those who have a capacity to wait upon the Lord. Great words to reveal the, the craziness in my heart. Um, I'm going to go out here and, and I wrote this thing. I said, anxiety, depression, and sorrow are all the consequences of those who do not know how to wait upon the Lord. Those that are pushing God in his cart to hurry up 
and have the expectation of him um, move because of your yearning. And, and there, there I have a, a, a pastor, and, and pastors have this issue too. We, I'm, in, in the next couple of weeks here, when we get back from Puerto Rico, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start our journey from 1998 and tell you everything that we were expecting and how things did not come through. And, and the, just every, every obstacle, every hindrance, every delay that caused things. I'm going to tell you one of them. Um, our website, for example. We worked on our website for 15 years with rocket scientists that didn't know how to put it together. They knew how, but it just wouldn't come. And I was like, okay, so who needs a website? <laughs> just totally surrender that to the Lord. We'll have a website at the topest degree and expression of a website. When God brings somebody that will be part of the provision we're waiting for, and, and so that, and, and so we were also praying for our, our worship team because I, mean, I was on the guitar and it seems like nobody was coming, but, but now we have the greatest expression of God's faithfulness. We could say great is our God. Look how many people he's brought. We, we, have, we have like Grammy winners that are on our worship team and, and the highest level, Richie Ray. I mean, what, you know, we, we should have a stadium worth of a worship center with the talent God has given us in this place. And we're still waiting on that reality to be able to impact our generation. But, but what good would it be for all those people to come to have a lot of people that don't know how to wait on the Lord? The people that, that are frantic, people that are terrified. So pastors come and they ask me all the time, oh, what do I need to do to go to the next uh, step, to the next expression of my ministry, they tell me. So about five years ago, maybe a little bit longer, there was one man, he says, what do I need to do so that I could get to the greatest expression of my ministry? I said, look, and we were on Miami Beach and we were on the boardwalk and I tell him, see that palm tree right there? It's full of coconuts. And if I told you what you need to do to get to the next level is to climb that tree and bring down a coconut, you would immediately find a million ways to bring that coconut down. But if I told you to be still and do nothing, that God has the capacity to bring a coconut and put it at your feet Amen. without you doing nothing. Amen. And he looked at me like I was insane. He's like, this, this pastor has blown a fuse. He's lost reality. How could doing nothing be the result of something happening? And as I was telling him, that analogy, that illustration, across the street two blocks away, a stray dog grabbed a coconut in its mouth and came down the street with a coconut in its mouth and laid it at his feet. I thought the dog was going to bite us, to tell you the truth, because it's a stray dog. You know what I did when I got home that night? And, and, and we both... Do you see what God just did? He's helping me with my illustration. I got home and I did this poster. Because it was literally what happened that night. And I wrote the words, sitting at the beach one evening, I told the man, if you tell a man to climb a tree to get a coconut, immediately he runs to find a thousand different ways to get it. But tell a man to pray and wait to God to answer, he cannot. Wait, he refuses to sit patiently. But God can easily allow a coconut to be placed at your feet without having to worry or strife. Amen. Immediately a dog walked up with a coconut in his mouth and dropped it at our feet. December 11, 2012. And with the verse, we'll go to it. Psalm 5, verse 3. Make this your life verse. My voice you shall hear in the morning as I pray. And in the morning I will direct it to you and I will look up. I, I want to I see God, and God wants to see you and your approach to waiting. Amen. And we are, have you ever seen somebody has to go to the bathroom? They like, they, they're like, they, they're doing, when you see a person waiting, how ugly they wait. How horrible they wait. They grab planes and go to the other side of the world. How horrible. Thinking that God's hand is, 
is short to not be faithful to his promise. So the issue has nothing to do with, like my daughter, I have to use her every sermon, I think. And, and I feel sorry for her. She has a father who's a preacher and uses her as a sermon illustration every Sunday. But guess what? I tell my daughter, you're not waiting on God. God is waiting on you. God is waiting on you. Because you would be an unbearable helpmate if you had no peace and no joy and you could not wait knowing the goodness of your God. So all the signs of depression, panic attacks, feelings of hopelessness are the result of those who do not know how to wait. Psalm 40 verse 1, the entire psalm was written with that purpose. And this is your lifeline today. I waited patiently for the Lord. What's that mean? Lord, the biological clock is ticking. Hurry up. I'm getting older. God knows all things precious in his time I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me his ear and heard my cry who is it you're praying to who is it you're waiting for you're waiting for the Lord and in that wait verse 2 continues to say he brought me out of a horrible pit Out of miry clay, he set my feet upon the rock and established my steps. The the waiting process is, is your posture, and that would be your worship, to keep you from choosing a horrible pit that you say, I fell in the devil's trap because I did not wait on the Lord. Now I'm in a snare. I'm in miry clay. I'm in mud. But the Lord wants to remove us from those pits and from those, the muddy clay to set our feet upon the rock and so that my steps are established by the Lord. It's, It's not no... It's, it's not no snowflake existence of being able to say, well, God's not showing up. That, that's not the proper way to see God's glorious entrance producing in you what is greater than what you're asking for. In that regards, we see Lamentations 3.25 where it says the Lord is good to those who wait hopefully and expectantly For him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. Their soul seeks him. Their emotions are laser tight in his direction. It says in the Amplified, because of their necessity, they're waiting on the Lord. So so this this is the opposite side of receiving God. You're found in a state of want and that's when God delivers the best when he comes to meet your needs when he comes to meet that which your expectation of Um, Psalm 40 we go back to verse 3 during this time of waiting There's a new song in my mouth, and I'm praising my God. It's it's in that knowing posture of waiting. And and you know, this this is what happens. Nine out of ten times, we become cynical. Okay, if I have to wait then. And, And we start throwing attitude. So, Christina, what are you doing? I'm waiting on the Lord. Look at all those camels outside. (laughs) And the Lord says, "Eh, I shot another five years on that. She's still not ripe. She's still not sweet. 
She's getting cynical. She's getting resentful. This is not the case of my daughter. I thank God for her life. She's, she's, being, um, she's being responsibly attentive to the ministry of her youth with excellence. And that's a good way. You, you, you delight yourself in the Lord and he gives you the desires of your heart. God, if God thinks I need more time, this is, this is us being cynical again. Well, if God thinks that I need more time. But the truth of the matter is, if you're not becoming sweet in your waiting, you're becoming bitter. And that has to push off the provisions because you're going to ruin anything else that comes in your life that you're waiting for. So in this waiting season to have a new song, to praise your God, to know confidently, and this is where I'm at, I'm confidently assured that we will see it, see it, what many will see it. Most of the, this whole process of waiting has, has culminated in a tolerance level of endurance producing better fruit in my character. What's James chapter 1 verse 3 says, let waiting have its perfect work. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, verse 4, and, but let patience have its perfect work. Let the process that it has taken you to draw closer to your God, to seek him, to do it joyfully, to do it with a sentiment of, of my God knows the perfect time he's going to show up. And I'm not going to lose hope. I'm not going to grow weary. I'm going to increase my joyfulness. I'm going to allow this season uh, to have its perfect work. That it's complete. It, it, it has thoroughly served its purpose, lacking nothing. Amen. So what, what has nine years of law school, 10 years of law practice, 19 years to start Spring of Life, and then 25 years? It, it's like my kids with their perfect season. Because they suffered not winning now when things happen to them in their life, they say, hey, man, you just lost your job. Was that bad? Nothing compared to losing all those games. <laughs> Nothing compared to, to the extent of having waited upon the Lord. So these, these, these elements of waiting are producing in us a greater expression of glory. We are the children of God. We know how to wait. Every time God called his people to wait, there was a glorious outcome. He says, go prepare the room for the Last Supper. And when, as they waited in that process, there was an intimate session with the Lord. When he tells them in Acts 1, um, you go to the upper room and wait. The extent of that waiting was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The greatest waiting we're doing, expecting Titus... I think it's 1.14. I'm going to look it up because it's super important. 2.11.2.14. Titus 2.14. I'm going to look it up because it's super important. The Bible says that we are waiting the glorious return of our great God and King. Part of of our development in our Christian walk. The people says, oh, why are you waiting for him to return? Because he promised. Oh, they've always said that. And he's never come. He says, well, guess what? We're waiting, here it is. Um, Titus 2, verse 12. No, verse 13. Uh, verse 13, 2, 13. We're looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. How many of you are waiting on the Lord to return? This, this is the cornerstone of our Christian faith with regards to, I want to live every day getting prepared for his return. There's nothing upon the earth that I desire more. I think this is Pastor Richie's prayer every day. Lord, come, come already. Come back and take us, where, take us home. We're waiting for the... Blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So these things are being revealed 
upon those of us who have that expectation. Hebrews 11.1 1 says that uh, faith is the substance. Hebrews 1, 1. I mean 11.1. 1. Faith is the substance. We carry it of the things we hope for. It's the certainty of the things we haven't seen yet. The, the waiting process is the very attractive part of our walk with God. And, and waiting patiently and singing to the Lord and having great expectation and, and almost rejoicing before it arrives with the great promise that you're confident that God is faithful. Psalm 40, verse 4, we, we see the expressions of a new song. We see the expressions, I'm sorry, 40, verse, um, 40, verse 5. Many, O Lord, are your wonderful works, what you have done, and your thoughts towards us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare the things that you have prepared for me and speak of them, they are more than I could number. There's, there's, a, there's an actual capacity to say, look what God has done for me in the past. I can trust him with my future. Amen. Look at God, his greatness, his glory, the things that he has done, wonderful works, uh, even yet not revealed. The expectation of what God has for us in the future as we continue to walk out our life of faith. Uh, verse 3, Psalm 40, verse 3, Therefore, there's a new song in my mouth. There's a praise in my lips. I'm confident that the people are going to see in my life what God has promised. I'm waiting joyfully, expectantly, hopefully. Those elements that, that are not moved by situation or circumstance. He says... Verse 5, I will proclaim, many, O Lord, are your one. I'm going to recount everything you've done. This is, this is what we've been able to do to fight our future battles, is to tell people how God conquered for us in the past. The God who opened the Red Sea, the God who gave us food in the desert for 40 years. He sustained us with water. He's going to give us the promised land. He fought Pharaoh. He fought Pharaoh's army. He opened the Red Sea before the eyes of everyone. So this was, this was the people of God recounting the power of God. Verse 9. I proclaimed the good report of righteousness in the assembly of your people. And I do not hold my lips back. O Lord, you yourself know my confidence in God. So sometimes when we stand in that regard, we're waiting, we're trusting, we're, we're, the people are watching us. There's nothing more attractive than to see a woman of God wait on the promises of her God, sure about who promised and who will deliver and how the great expressions of joy will come through when God fulfills his promises. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips, O Lord. You yourself know that I'm not complaining. I'm not murmuring. How many have told God you're taking too long? Really? Like you know. He's never late. Always on time. Always glorious. All these things being produced in us that have decided to wait upon the Lord. Uh, one of the verses that I enjoy a lot and, and this is one that pulled me through in the early years of our ministry. It was really powerful. And, and if, if God had not made me wait, I wouldn't have been able to understand the purpose of waiting. Isaiah 40, 31. We've all read this countless times. Those who wait upon the Lord. Why does God cause waiting to be in the formula? Because it shall renew your strength. You, you know, we, we had a youth group first and all these youth were single. They were all single. They all got married. Even the ugliest girl in our youth group got married. So there's hope for all. 
even the dorkiest guy got married. And so we, we know that God is faithful. No one was left out. All of them got married. Now watch this. Ready for this? During the time of waiting, we would tell them, your waiting now is no suffering compared to how you're going to suffer in marriage. And all the women say, amen. amen. All your waiting that's causing you, when you get married, you're, you're going to be on the other side of that. And, and you're going to need strength. So God has to establish a firm foundation so that you can mount up with wings like eagles. Run and not be weary. Walk and not faint. The, the waiting process is glorious. Guess what? Now looking back, now looking back, Lord made us wait nine years in law school, ten years in law practice. And then he called us to ministry. What we were waiting for, I said, Lord, give me ten more years so that I could get prepared for the burden and the weight of the ministry I wanted at 21. I was single at 21. I couldn't support the weight without Yvette. How many say amen? amen. The encouragement of, of a woman at my side who loved the Lord. So part of doing ministry, while I thought the Lord was delaying and being late, it was actually allowing Yvette to grow up out of preschool. <laughs> to get older before she took on the responsibility of mom, wife, and first lady of a ministry. And so I didn't see that, but he did. And then, then everything else that came along would require the stern maturity of stability and not instability, not hype, not emotion. So that I could stay the course in the midst of the toughest battles. And there was strength enough to pursue the call that God had extended to us. Verse 11, Psalm 40, verse 11, as for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy upon me. You're not holding back your love. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. That's the lifeline of being able to wait. You know that God loves you like crazy and would not withhold any good thing from you. Always protecting you and keeping you as, as that unfolds in the mystery of his purpose for your life. Verse 12, for troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me, my iniquities, so that I am not able to look up. They are more than my hairs of the, my head. Therefore, my heart fails within me. When I don't wait, we stir up a pot of controversy unnecessary. You could say amen. amen. We start doing things out of time and out of place, and we hate life, and we hate what we're doing, our labor down here under the sun. Lord, you know, this, this message is going to challenge all of us. We're all, amen, glory to God. Yeah, we're waiting. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh, Groom the necessary atmosphere and climate of a life that God is calling to produce greater hope. And, and hope will not despair. Hope does not despair. Hope keeps you alive. And people losing hope is what causes people to end their life and end the story. Lord, I've been surrounded by all these issues in the midst of my waiting. <clears throat> what a horrible thing for Abraham to be waiting on the promised son, Isaac, and then have your wife says, hey, Bypass the waiting period and check out Hagar. And, and that becomes the biggest curse in this family's life. Isaac was going to come, but they had, they had people pulling them in odd directions that were not consistent with the purpose of God. And so he says there, those who number me, surround me, and overtaken me, are more than the hairs on my head and causing my heart to continually drop. And I want to say this. I think it's important. When it comes down to down, even though people are good and they encourage you and lift you up and sustain you, when it comes down to down, this has to be in you. 
That, that, that is the place where it, it comes from. To be able to wait upon God, it, it doesn't determine on the person next to you because it doesn't matter how much that person loves you, be it a mother, father, uh, a friend, a cousin. Ah, just go ahead and you know, cut your losses and do whatever you want and do what feels good. And th- this comes straight from the pit of hell. That's what he's talking about here. I've been surrounded by an innumerable amount of evil that have overtaken me. I'm not able to see you in them. They're more than the hairs on my head. Therefore, my heart fails. I'm not going to cut it, Lord. Um, and then he asked for this in verse 13. Lord, find it in your pleasure to deliver me and help me in this season of waiting upon you that you be my help. You carry me, Lord. And that's, that's what <clears throat> I learned how to do after the years um, anytime that we wait on, we're wanting something to happen, it doesn't happen. In this particular building, the last two times we've signed a lease for three years is because I didn't want to sign more years because I'm thinking the Lord's going to give us a land. So why be stuck for a 10-year lease and he gives us a land? So I've been doing it short because I have an expectation. I'm waiting on God's goodness. He was good to bring us here. He'll be good to provide another place for us. He's always been on time. And so I, I've, I've been expectantly waiting on the Lord, and it's delayed, and it's delayed, and it's delayed. We're going to get new chairs for our anniversary. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, so that's just part of more on getting comfortable as we wait. But I don't want to be here. I want to go to what our grandchildren are going to enjoy. And how sad is it that they would have more faith than us? That's what happened in the people of Israel. It says that the adults went towards the promised land with unbelief, so they didn't get the promised land. But their children did. A generation that came after believed God more than the generation that went before. I don't want that to be our case. However, I'll tell you this much, where I got saved and where we're at now is a hundred times more glorious. So we've, we've done well, but we're not done yet. We're going to wait. Well, don't get me wrong. We're going to wait. But God is good on those who wait. And, and we get a climate of joy, of praising, of the confident cheering of what God's going to do in the future. So the devil's not going to make me sulk through my waiting. I'm going to wait joyfully as God fulfills his promises. Because that's the entitlement of the provision we receive from the Lord. Those who wait upon the Lord shall mount up. On the wings of eagles. They shall soar. They shall fly. They shall hit the heights. So there's those that say it's not going to happen. It's wishful thinking. They're not going to steal my joy. Verse 14. May all who want to take my life. Be put to shame and confused. May all who say your wishful thinking. That want to destroy what I've expected. Let them be driven backwards and brought to dishonor who wish me evil. There's no greater evil than you miss out what God has for you. Those people that wish you count it short. Uh, you better get married now. You're going to miss the train. I'm going to miss God's train. Amen. God is faithful to deliver what he has promised. Verse 15. May those who say to me, aha. Let them be confused, confounded. Because of their shame, who say to me, aha, like, got you. See, you shouldn't have waited on God. You shouldn't have trusted on the Lord. You shouldn't have heard his promises. All those people perish in Jesus' name. Amen. May, uh, verse 16, and may all those who wait upon you and seek you rejoice and be glad Amen. in you. Let such as love your salvation finally and continually say, the Lord be great. Amen. The Lord be magnified. Amen. We, we saw a greater expression of God because we saw you wait upon the Lord. Wow. That's what, what I see. And um, those who were thinking we were crazy are now seeing that they didn't join the party. They're not part of the celebration. But verse 16, may all who seek you rejoice and be glad. May those who wait upon you see the greatness of your glory and 
They say, may those who long for your salvation help always saying, the Lord is great, the Lord is capable, the Lord is able. Verse 17, but as for me, Lord, this is how he finishes this psalm, I am poor and needy. Now you say, why would he say that? Because he's saying that in his condition as he waits upon the Lord, it's because he doesn't have the capacity to make real what he's expecting. He's absent provision, poor, he's needy, he needs God to come in, yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. You're the one that's going to see this through. I need to work on what you are seeking in my life. Is there joy? Do I wait patiently? Is there an enduring hope? Am I patient? Am I encouraged? Am I being able to let other people know that as for me and my house, we're going to wait on the Lord to see him fulfill his promises in our lives? The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 2, that as Jesus looked at the cross, which was the hardship of the cross, he endured the cross, he did it for the joy that was set before him. He saw on the other side of the cross the amount of salvation that would be wrought to mankind. And he made that his joy. So you make your joy the accomplishment of God's promise that allows to sustain you in the midst of the enduring, the hardship, despising shame, and having sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He saw all those things before they came to pass. And I, I, don't, I don't think there's a greater encouragement in my life than to know that I serve a God who's going to outdo my expectation of waiting upon him. I, mean, I have an a expression of expect, expecting from God what he's going to do here on out based on the early years when we were waiting for so many things, he's outdone himself in all of them, and yet more is to come. Greater expressions of, of what he caused us to wait for so long. And when, when, when God called Abraham, it was challenging to leave his family and to leave his land and to go to seek what God was calling him for. That was a calling, and he waited patiently. But then came the, 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 the waiting on his son. They, they, got, they, they ran ahead of God trying to make their own thing. But then comes Isaac. Isaac is born, the promise, the son of promise. And Abraham now is in another side of his waiting where when God asks for Isaac in the sacrifice, he actually takes him to the altar. And you say, well, why would he take his son to the altar after he waited so long? And the Bible tells us there in Hebrews eleven nineteen, he considered that God was able to raise him from the dead. Amen. Now, now this is a level of waiting on, and faith on steroids. Because he went through the first challenge of waiting for Isaac to come, now the second is bringing him to the altar, and he quickly obeyed God and took him to the altar, sacrificed him. And the Bible says why his waiting was not in vain, for he knew that God would raise him up even from the dead. Amen. Now he had greater clarity in knowing how his God walked and moved because he had waited watching. And so now that fruit is not like the first fruit of going with Hagar. Now, now he didn't delay. Now he didn't implement some side work. He thoroughly went and, and believed God was faithful to be able. That, that fruit is sweet. It's ripe for the picking. So let's stand this morning and say, Lord, forgive us because we've waited so ugly. Forgive us because we doubted. Forgive us because we fretted, because we allowed other people to speak louder than our shouts of joy as we wait upon the Lord. Hallelujah.
I don't know if we have, we used to sing a song, Los que esperan en Jehová, nuevas fuerzas tendrán, correrán con poder, como el águila, correrán sin desmayar, caminarán sin fallar, los que esperan en Jehová. Is it like, wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. Cultivate that in your life. It, it, it be your strongest in that moment that you're trusting and waiting upon God to see you through. Rejoice. Write songs. Write poems to your God. Search the scriptures. Um, to place doubt or unbelief in a faithful God is stench on you it's not healthy and so that is the greatest expression of incense that that goes before his throne you say you say god you're so faithful you're so glorious you're so majestic here's here's what anna said after the fact because she had to wait for a breakthrough in first samuel chapter 2 is, is that whole chapter and she's saying the frailties of those who do not have are greater than the one who professes to have in abundance don't, don't allow your waiting on the Lord to cause you to consider other terrain there's what it says 1 Samuel 2 3 talk no more proudly quit being so arrogant that you think you don't have to wait that God should have acted on your very first call out to him let not no arrogant speech come out of your mouth during waiting for the Lord is God of knowledge and he weighs every action so a, a father is going to give a child his first car and then he turns, his father knows the time when he's going to do that. And the son turns around and says to his dad, you don't know what you're doing. I'm just going to go buy my own car. And his dad's like, <laughs> go ahead, my son. Take 15 years for your down payment when I want to give you something. But your arrogance is keeping you from what I want to bestow upon you. He weighs the actions, our attitudes. Verse 4. Even the bows of mighty men, mighty warriors, the bow is the... Even the, the strength of the one who's doing it on his own is broken. And those who stumble at war and aren't able to run to battle, God embraces them, girds them with strength. Makes them even stronger warriors than the guy who's able to pull on the bows of a string. Verse 5 she continues to have all these analogies those who are uh, were full those who had abundance had to go get a job for bread and the hungry those that didn't have have ceased to hunger even the barren has borne seven that might be prophetic for somebody today but she with many children has become sterile has become unable to produce to be fruitful all these manners are the issues and the strife and the terrain that's tough tough we, we have one woman come in here and we were having a marriage conference type of deal it was a, a preaching and and the two Marilyn and her husband for covenant marriage ministries she says we had to wait five years for God to restore our marriage and that woman jumped out of her seat and left. She says, I'm not waiting five years. How many know that she's not going to find provision outside of God? She's on her fourth candidate. Outside of the purpose of God, the call of God. Because she didn't know how to wait. She tried to go make and supply herself. Verse 6. Anna says, the Lord is the one who creates things and makes them alive. And he's the one who finishes them off. He's the one that brings you down to the grave and he's the one that causes you to be lifted up. This is all the revelation that she 
captured in the season of her waiting. And yet it becomes a glorious song. Verse 7. Look at all the revelation. It is God who makes poor and it is God who makes rich. He's the one that brings people down to need and low. And he's the one that lifts up. It's not academic acumen. It's not professional ability. It's waiting on God is able to put you in a place where, where not waiting on God becomes a hindrance and a stumbling block. Father, we thank you this morning for this word. And it touches the very fibers of our heartbeat with you, Lord, our walk with you. And teach us how to wait joyfully. Teach us how to grow and mature so that we can leave great substance of faith to our children and grandchildren that they too wait upon the Lord. And we, we will talk about our testimonies, how we waited and how God was faithful. How we did not run ahead of God, how we did not backslide, how we did not derail ourselves from all that God has for us. We know that your word says your promises are yes and amen. We know that what you tend to fulfill and the promises that you have bestowed upon us to make us who were not a people, your people. Those of us who did not have a family, you've given us a great family. Allow us to cultivate this area of our life that stands desolate in wilderness because of our unbelief, our discouragement, our doubting, our double-mindedness. Allow the harvest of this message to be seen in the months and years to come. This we pray in Jesus' name and all the people of God say, Amen, Amen, amen and Amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.